You're listening to the Revolution Church Podcast. To learn more, including our gathering times in Crossville, Tennessee, visit us at CrossvilleRevolution.com. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, man, I am so excited to be uh, standing up here today. I love uh, getting the opportunity to uh, to preach to the whole church body on Sunday mornings. I'm the student pastor here. And, and don't get me wrong, I love preaching to teenagers every week. But man, it's it's nice to preach and actually hear a few amens every now and then. You know what I mean? Like, it's nice to crack a joke and actually hear a little bit of laughter. Like that's for some reason, they just don't think I'm that funny. So this is always really refreshing to me. But before we get into what we're going to talk about today, I mean, I just I just want to take a minute uh, to let you know that I take this so seriously and I am very well aware of the fact that I am just a broken and flawed uh, sinner like everyone else in this room is. Uh, but for some reason, God has called uh, me to stand up here today. And my prayer has been that God uh, is the one who speaks to y'all this morning and not me. My prayer has been, God, just use me as your mouthpiece this morning. Don't let me say a word that you don't want me to say because Brandon I promise y'all has nothing for you, but God, I promise y'all has everything for you. And I just want to make that clear uh, right up front. Well, anyway, we uh, let's get into what we're talking about today. We are in uh, a series called James. Where we're reading through and learning from a book of the Bible called James. If you remember... This book was actually written by the half-brother of Jesus Christ. If you know the Christmas story, uh, you know that Jesus was born of a virgin, a girl named Mary. But after Jesus was born, uh, Mary and her husband Joseph went on to have a bunch more kids. And James, this guy James, was one of those kids. So he's the half-brother of Jesus. So James really, really, really knew Jesus. He literally grew up with Jesus. And that kind of makes you think, if anyone knows if Jesus is uh, really who he says he is, it's this guy, James. Uh, if there's anyone that you can trust when they say that Christianity is the real deal, is this guy, James. Uh, because, I mean, come on, you know, would you really worship and devote your life to your sibling unless you knew without a doubt that your sibling was God? No, you wouldn't. You'd have to know that. And James says his brother Jesus, his half-brother Jesus, is the real deal. James says Jesus is God, and that's pretty convincing evidence to me. Uh, and the book of James is a letter that James wrote to a group of Jewish Christians who are actually the very first group of Christians ever. Uh, if you're a nosy person, you'll love reading the Bible because you get to read other people's mail when you leave, read the Bible. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're reading someone else's mail. We're reading this letter that James, this guy James, uh, wrote to these people, these, these this group of Jewish Christians, and we're learning a ton of good stuff from it. Um, and this morning, we're going to be in James chapter 2, uh, which is going to teach us about what I'm going to call off-brand faith. Off-brand faith. Today, we're going to talk about cheap, fake, off-brand faith. I don't know about y'all, uh, but I didn't grow up in a very wealthy uh, family. We weren't, we weren't poor or anything, but we also weren't always able to get the name brand stuff at the grocery store. You know, sometimes we had to settle for the off-brand stuff. Uh, like, for example, uh, one of my favorite things to drink as a kid was Dr. Pepper. Huge Dr. Pepper fan. But sometimes we weren't always able to get Dr. Pepper. Sometimes we had to settle for this right here. If we can pull that next slide up. Dr. Thunder. Anybody know about Dr. Thunder? Pull that next one up. Anybody know about Dr. Perky? I can still taste that bad aftertaste in my mouth just looking at that picture. Um, this one I, is actually a, a very real Dr. Pepper knockoff that I didn't know existed until this week. But pull that next one up. This is Dr. Bob. <laughs> like they're not even trying with that one. But uh, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I also one of my favorite uh, 
cereals was trick cereal trick cereal love trick cereal but when you're on a budget uh, sometimes all you can afford is pull that next slide up pranks prank cereal Speaking of cereal, another great cereal is Fruit Loops. Uh, everybody loves Fruit Loops, right? Uh, but sometimes when things are tight, all you can afford is pull that next one up, Tutti Fruities. Or pull that next one up, Fruit Spins. All right, this one, this next one is my favorite. It cracks me up. Pull that next one up, Fruit Ovals. Fruit Ovals. That's a good one. <laughs> and, you, uh, and you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes, crazy enough, there are some people who even choose. Uh, to like off-brand things. It's crazy. Like, it blows me away. Like, they have the ability to choose the real thing, but instead they choose uh, the 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 off-brand thing, the wannabe thing. Like, for example, can we pull that next picture up? You know, something like that. Y'all know it's totally optional to be a volunteer football fan, right? Totally optional. You know what? I'm sorry. That was a cheap shot, and I'm better than that. I apologize. Go dogs. Hey, so this morning... Uh, this morning, we're talking about off-brand faith, faith that isn't quite the real thing. And we're talking about how to tell the difference between off-brand fake faith and real, authentic, name-brand saving faith. And, and y'all, this is really, really, really important because knowing if your faith is real or not, knowing if your faith is off-brand or not, means knowing if you're really saved or not. Knowing if your faith is real or not means knowing where you're going to spend eternity, y'all. Because the Bible says that real faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you uh, is what saves you from the punishment that you deserve for sinning against the almighty creator of the universe, God. And that punishment is a very real place in a, uh, spent in a very real eternity uh, in a very real place called hell. Um, and uh, I know that word gets tossed around uh, a lot, but it is a very real place. And uh, uh, if your faith in Jesus is not real, if your faith in Jesus is off-brand, it doesn't count. It's meaningless. It's not going to get you into heaven. And it's not going to save you from that very real punishment called hell that you deserve for your sin. And I'm sorry to kind of start off so heavy, uh, but my point is this is really important stuff. Um, maybe you're in here and you doubt your salvation sometimes, you know, like maybe you think, man, am I really a Christian? Uh, am I really going to go to heaven? Uh, is my faith real or is it fake? Is it, is it off-brand faith? You're going to know the answer to that question by the time you leave these doors this morning, hopefully. Uh, that's the question that James wanted his original audience to ask themselves. So by the end of this message from James, you'll be like, okay, I'm good. I can rest assured that my faith in Jesus is real. It's name brand. And I'm gonna, I can rest assured that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. Uh, or, or, or you'll be like, dang, my faith is off-brand. It's fake. You know, and if I were to die today, I would spend eternity separated from Jesus. And I need to make some really, really big changes in my life. And let me say this too. I would strongly encourage, I would strongly encourage everyone uh, to listen to this message from James this morning. Everyone, even if you're in here and you think you're a Christian, you know, even if you're in here and the religious views on your Facebook page says Christian, you know, uh, even if you've grown up in church your whole life, uh, because we're in the South, we're in the Bible Belt, and most of us grew up in church in the South, right? And there's this trap in the South, there's this trap in the Bible Belt to think that just because I grew up in church, or just because I know the Bible, or, you know, just because I said some magic prayer when I was a kid, or just because I walked some aisle, or just because I raised my hand at some altar call, that I'm saved, and I'm going to heaven. Um, but James 
is going to make it very clear that that's not true for everyone. It may be true for some people, but it's definitely not true for everyone. And so I'd encourage everyone to listen to what James has to say, because your life, uh, your eternity may be surprisingly changed as a result of this message from, from James. So let's get into this. Let's read. Let's do this. Let's read the whole passage that we're going to be in this morning, and then we'll go back through and break it down. Uh, we're in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. James says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them away safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So let's break this down. First, James says in verse 14, he says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith say anyone? And, and, and here's my first point from this first part of uh, the, our passage. Off-brand faith doesn't work. Off-brand faith doesn't work. And let me explain what I mean by that. So James starts off with a really big and really controversial question. He says, what good is faith that isn't accompanied by actions? What good is faith that doesn't work? What good is faith that doesn't do anything? And the answer here is, it's no good at all. And then James goes even further and he says, can that kind of faith, can the kind of faith that doesn't do anything, can the kind of faith that doesn't produce works, that doesn't produce actions, can that kind of faith save anyone, get anyone into heaven? And the answer here is no, it can't. It's off-brand faith. It's tutti-frutti faith. Now, if you know your Bible, this verse probably makes your head want to explode uh, because you might be thinking, wait, James is making it sound like uh, faith alone in Jesus doesn't save you. James is making it sound like faith plus works saves you. James is making it sound like you have to do something in order to earn your salvation. But I thought you didn't have to do anything to be saved because all throughout the Bible, there are so many verses, so many verses that make it crystal clear that faith alone in Jesus saves you and there's nothing that you can do to earn it. For example, Romans 3.8 is, is a great example. In Romans, a guy called the Apostle uh, Paul, who, by the way, was the guy who wrote a ton of the New Testament, he said this in a letter that he wrote once to a group of Christians in Rome. Romans 3.8 says, or 3.28 says, so we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. In other words, this guy Paul is saying, following all the rules doesn't save you, uh, works don't save you, keeping the Mosaic law doesn't save you. You are made right with the God that you sinned against. You are justified, you are saved by faith and by faith alone in Jesus. And this seems like a contradiction in the Bible at first, right? Between what we just read from Paul and what we just read from James. And a lot of people are like, aha, you know, gotcha, Christians. Here, the, your Bible contradicts itself. 
No, it doesn't contradict itself. Paul and James are saying the same thing, y'all. They're just saying it in two different ways uh, because they're speaking to two very different groups of people. Paul, this guy Paul, is writing his letter to a group of baby Christians. They're pretty much baby Christians in Rome. They're mostly new Christians. They didn't grow up in church. They didn't know their Bible. They, they, they just heard about Jesus and they want to follow Jesus. And they just want to know, hey, Paul, what do I need to be saved? What do I need to, what I need to do to get into heaven? Do I, need to, do I need to do anything to earn my salvation from my sin? That's all I really want to know. And Paul's like, no, no, listen, y'all, it's okay. It's okay. Calm down. Faith alone in Jesus saves you. Faith alone if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, listen, you are saved. You don't have to do anything to be saved. That's the whole point of the gospel. Jesus already did everything for you. In other words, the people Paul was writing to needed to be handled gently. They were fragile, right? But James is writing to a completely different group of people. Remember, James is writing to a bunch of Jewish Christians. James was writing to a group of people who knew their Bible backwards and forwards, the Old Testament of the Bible anyway. They grew up going to the synagogue, right? They were good Jews, but James wanted them to really examine their faith and make sure that their faith was real, authentic, name brand faith. And because these weren't baby Christians, because they were seasoned a little bit, he was being a little harsher than Paul because that's what they needed. Paul and James are both preaching the same message, but they're preaching it in very, very different ways. I was thinking about this. It's like if I was coaching a, a middle school girls volleyball team, you know, like a 12-year-old girls volleyball team. Now, I would coach a middle school girls volleyball team very differently than I would coach like a college football team, right? Like even though my message will be the same, hey, go out there, uh, give it your all, do your best, win the game, I would talk to them very differently. Like if I'm coaching a middle school girls volleyball team, I'd be like, okay, girls, Bring it in, bring it in. First of all, I just want you to know you're all very special in your own little unique way, okay? And you guys have been doing great. Uh, you look great. Susie, your bow's off a little bit. Let me fix that. Perfect, okay. Hey, all I want you guys to do is just go out and give it your all, okay? There are no losers, okay? Just give me your best and I'll be proud of you. A teamwork on three. One, two, three, teamwork, right? But if I'm coaching a college football team, it's gonna be a little different. I'll be like, Bring it in, you sorry bunch of pieces of trash. Your mothers will be ashamed of each of you. You know, get out there on that field. Give me your blood, sweat, and your tears, or I'm going to personally kick each one of your butts. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm preaching the same message. Go out there and win this game. Give me your best. Give it all you got. But I have to say it differently because there are different people who have different needs, who have different backgrounds. And so Paul and James are both preaching the same message. Paul is saying faith alone saves you. And James is saying, yeah, faith alone saves you. But y'all need to understand that if your faith is not producing works, then listen, it's not real and you're not saved. You're not going to heaven like you think you are because only real faith saves. Faith that doesn't work is off-brand, and that kind of faith can't save you. Off-brand faith doesn't work. It, doesn't, it literally doesn't work. It doesn't do anything, and it also doesn't work to get you saved. It doesn't work to get you into heaven. So James and Paul are saying the same thing. You're just saying it differently. If you're new to this whole Jesus thing, you need to know that there is a God. There really is a God. I promise. I have good reason to believe there's a God. If I didn't, I wouldn't be standing up here in front of y'all this morning. I promise. You need to know he's real. You need to know he loves you. I don't care what you've done. He loves you and he knows you. He loves you even though he knows you. Think about that. That's pretty crazy. But, but you've sinned against him just like I did, right? And you deserve punishment for that just like I do. 
But because God loves you, he came to this earth as a man named Jesus to die for you, to take that punishment for you and to raise again to life three days later, defeating the grave and defeating death and defeating hell for you and for me. And if you put your faith in Jesus and what he did, you don't have to get what you deserve. Instead, you get what you don't deserve, which is a life of purpose on this earth and an an eternity, a future in, in heaven. All you have to do is put your faith in Jesus and what he did for you. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. You cannot be good enough to get yourself into heaven. It's impossible. All you have to do is put your faith in Jesus and what he did for you. James would not disagree with anything I just said. But James would add, just know though, y'all, just know that if your faith doesn't start producing works, your faith isn't real and you're not saved. That's what James would say. James would say real faith works. Real faith does stuff. And what kind of uh, stuff does real faith do? Well, James doesn't leave us hanging. He goes on to give us some examples. He says in verse 15, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. In other words, suppose you see a brother or sister in Christ who's in need, someone in your church who's in need. So like suppose you're in Rev Ladies or uh, at your table in, in Rev Men or whatever, and one of the people at your table says, man, the heat in our house, you know, went out last night. I don't know how we're going to how we're going to fix it. We just don't have the money right now. Things are really tight right now. And maybe God has blessed you financially. Right. And you have the money to pay to have their HVAC unit fixed. No sweat. Right. Or maybe you just have a little money that you can give them to go towards the new unit. Or maybe you're really handy and you can fix things and and you could offer to go over and to look at it and see what you can do for them. Or maybe you have some extra space uh, in your house. and You can say, hey, come stay with me. You know, in my house, I've got plenty of room until it warms up. Or maybe you could you know, maybe you have some space heaters in your closet or something and you could give them some space heaters. And maybe you could buy some space heaters from Dollar General. Like you can't afford to have the HVAC unit, but you can go to Dollar General and buy them some space heaters, you know. But if all you do is say to them something like this in verse 16, when someone, when a brother or sister presents to you a need that you can meet, if all you do is say goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing, if you don't offer them anything but words, James says, what good does that do? What good is that? That's fake faith. That's off-brand faith. That's Dr. Bob faith, y'all. Here's the point. Off-brand faith doesn't serve others. Off-brand faith doesn't serve other people. Uh, If you say you have faith, but you don't serve others, your faith is off-brand. If you know someone in your church that needs some money for groceries uh, and you can help them out, but you don't, uh, that's off-brand faith. If you've got an older lady in your church and her grass is getting, you know, really, really high uh, and you've got a fully capable body and a working lawnmower in the shed and and you don't offer to go mow her grass for her free of charge for the summer, that's off-brand faith. Uh, if you've got a kid in your youth group who's been wearing the same pair of old, dirty, you know, raggedy shoes to school the past two years, and you've got multiple pairs of, of Nikes in your closet, but you don't offer to give them any, man, that's off-brand faith. Uh, if you know someone in the church who's moved to town recently, moved away from their family for whatever reason, and they're going to be home alone for the holidays, home alone on Thanksgiving or Christmas, and you don't invite them over to your family's Thanksgiving or your family's Christmas, man, that's off-brand faith. It's all prayer and faith. If all you do is say, hey, go well, go be well, stay warm, praying for you, praying God sends you the money for groceries, praying that God will get you the new pair of shoes, praying that God will send somebody to mow your grass, man. If that's all you do, but you could do more, what good is that? What good is that? It's useless faith. It's all prayer and faith. James is saying real faith does stuff. 
y'all. Real faith serves others. Real faith buys the dang groceries, you know, if, if you can. Real faith invites a person over for Thanksgiving if you can. Real faith cuts the grass if you can. Real faith gives away the pair of Nikes if you can. But if your reaction, when you hear a need that you know you could meet from someone, especially a brother or sister in Christ is praying for you and not here you go, your faith is useless. Your faith is fake. Your faith is off-brand. And listen to me, y'all, you are probably not saved like you think you are. And don't get mad at me. James said it. I mean, and James isn't just pulling this from thin air. He's getting this from his brother, Jesus. In Matthew 25, Jesus is talking about who he's going to let into heaven and who he's not going to let into heaven. So this seems like pretty important info to get. And, and just listen to what Jesus says here in Matthew 25. Then the king, that's Jesus. Then the king, Jesus, will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. So he's looking at one group of people and he says, hey, you can come into heaven. And the people are like, why? Why, why can we come into heaven? Uh, and, and, he, and Jesus says this, here's why. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then those righteous ones, then those Christians, then those people with real faith will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, Jesus? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or stranger and show you hospitality? Jesus, when did we ever see you naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick and are in prison and visit you? And the king will say, and Jesus will say, I'll tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Jesus says, Hey, you served your brother and sister in Christ. You served your brother and sister in Christ. You served others. So your faith was real, obviously. Enter on into heaven. Enter on into the kingdom I prepared for you. And listen to what else Jesus says. Verse 41. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, Away with you, you cursed one. Enter into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. And they're going to be like, Why, Jesus? Why? For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And, and he will answer, Jesus will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. They'll go away into eternal punishment because their faith was fake. It was off-brand. Off-brand faith doesn't serve others, so it's not real. It's not saving faith. If your faith doesn't serve others, it's off-brand faith, and you're probably not saved. That's some hard truth. I know, but it's truth. Let's keep reading. James 2, 17 through 18 says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. So here's my next point, And you can learn a lot from this little part of the passage. But here's my next point. For the sake of time, I've narrowed it down to this one point. Off-brand faith doesn't have any power. Off-brand faith doesn't have any power. James says, off-brand faith is dead faith. And when I read this part of our passage, I think about my iPhone. Uh, anyone in here have an iPhone? Raise your hand. Okay. Anyone here have an Android? Raise your hand. Sorry about that. Okay. But I'm talking about iPhones real quick. Uh, only my iPhone users can relate to this next point. But you know how like when your iPhone is dead and has no power to do anything? That's what off-brand faith is like. Uh, because my iPhone can do so many cool things when it's alive. 
You know, it's really amazing when you think about it. Like it's a watch, it's a it's a roadmap, it's a calculator, it's a it's a calendar, you know, it's a it's a remote control for your TV, it's a library that you can read books on, it's a notepad, uh, it, it's a Bible, you know, it's a video recorder. I could just keep going and going uh, and going. You can get on the internet with your iPhone in like two seconds. Y'all, I remember when I was a kid and wanted to get on the internet. Here's what I had to do. I had to go to this giant computer in my house and hit this little button that said internet and this little screen would pop up that said dialing up the internet and it would make this horrible like ah, noise and it would take like an hour to load the, the first internet page and right before it would load somebody would get on the house phone and break that connection you have to start all over again people under 20 have i'm speaking chinese to them right now they're like what but now i just hit a button i'm on the internet like that you know you can take professional quality pictures on your iPhone, uh, man, if I wanted to take, if you wanted to take professional quality pictures when I was a kid, when I was growing up, you'd have to have your mom dress you up in this ugly outfit that you'd never wear again. She would drag you to some creepy little room in the back of Kroger and make you pose in this awkward pose in front of a forest backdrop. And then she'd frame it hanging up in her house and you see it and get embarrassed every time you go to her house. That's what you'd have to do if you wanted to take professional quality pictures back in the day. But now with your iPhone, bam, just like that. Professional quality pictures. Your iPhone can do amazing things. But what can your iPhone do when it's dead? What can your iPhone do when it's dead? Nothing at all. It's useless. What good is it? It's no good. It's just a shiny brick. James is saying real faith, name brand faith, is faith that's alive and faith that's active. And y'all, when your faith is real and when your faith is alive, oh man, it can do incredible things, y'all incredible things, things way more amazing than an iPhone can do. Because when you put your faith in Jesus for real, your faith is real. Get this, God, I'm talking like the one true, the one and only creator of the universe, God, puts his own spirit, his own power inside of you. Romans 8, 11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, Christian. If that verse doesn't fire you up and shake you to your core. I don't know what will. I mean, isn't that crazy? God puts his spirit inside of you if your faith is real. The same power of God that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you, Christian, if your faith is real. If your faith is alive, if your faith is real, if it's name brand, you have the spirit and you have the power of the almighty God living inside of you. That means that your faith can do amazing things if it's alive because of that power. Your faith can cause lives to change. Uh, your, your, God can use your faith to save marriages. God can your, use your faith to save families from being broken. God can use your faith to break addictions in people's lives. God can use your faith to uh, save someone from suicide. God can use your faith to give orphans a home. I've seen God use people's faith to, to save young women from sex trafficking rings. I, I, I've seen God use people's faith to reach unreached parts of the world. Y'all, I can I look back on, on the revivals that have happened uh, just in American history, you know, and I see God use people's faith to change entire generations, you know, to say, entire generations on fire for Jesus. And they literally changed their country and ultimately their world in a way. And speaking of that, I think about my, the leaders I have in, in Rev students and well, they might not believe me when I say this, but I really, I really believe this. I really think this. I have the best team of youth leaders on planet earth, hands down. 
And by the way, we would love for you to join us in changing the world if you want to, if you want to, uh, if you want to play a part in changing the next generation, man, just find me, talk to me. We'll, we'll get you set up because it's a serious ministry, man. It's serious and it's a challenging ministry. It is. It's exhausting sometimes and it's time consuming sometimes, uh, but man, it's so rewarding. Golly, it's so rewarding. My leaders don't just complain about the next generation on their couch. You know, they want to get up off the couch and start doing something about it. And, and because their faith is real and alive, it has power to, to, actually do something about it. My leaders have real and alive faith, which means their faith has power. And so I've watched God use their, over the five years that I've been doing this, I've watched God use their real and alive active faith to, to change the youth culture of Crossville, you know, to, to change entire families by changing kids, um, to change the trajectory of the next generation in this town and in this state. And I believe ultimately in this world, it's insane. But that's what their real alive faith does. When you have, when your faith is alive, it can do amazing things like that, y'all. It's amazing what your faith can do, what God can use your faith to do if it's real. Y'all, when your faith is alive and real and name brand, God can even use your faith to create faith in other people. You know, like God can use your faith to literally change someone's, not just their life, but their eternity. There's nothing more amazing than that, right? There's nothing more rewarding than that. And your faith, if it's real and alive and name brand, it has the power to do that because God puts his own spirit inside of you if your faith is real. But if your faith is dead, if you have off-brand faith, it can't do anything at all. It's useless. It's no good. It has no power. What good is that? It's a dead iPhone. It's a shiny brick. James keeps going. James 2, 19 through 20 says, you say you have faith for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Here's my next point here. Off-brand faith doesn't change you. Off-brand faith doesn't change you. If you say you have faith in Jesus, y'all, but your faith hasn't changed you and changed your life, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's not real. It, it, it's off-brand faith. It's fake faith. And it's, it's not faith that's going to get you into heaven. So James is saying here, you've got the head knowledge and the group of people he was writing to did have all the head knowledge. Like I said earlier, they knew their scriptures very well. James says, you've got all this head knowledge. You, you, you believe there's, there's one God, but James is like, just because you believe in God, just because you believe there's a God, just because you've got that head knowledge doesn't mean it's in your heart because y'all faith is a verb. Faith starts with belief. Yes, that's where it starts. But real faith, how you know if it's real faith is if that belief travels to your heart, right? And then it travels to your hands and feet. And then it travels to your bank account. And then it travels to your calendar and your availability. And it travels to your lifestyle and the way you live your life. And it travels to your relationships with other people and how you handle those relationships, how you talk to people. It travels to your love life. It travels to your sex life. It travels to your decision-making it travels to every single part of your life. That's what real faith does. Real faith is belief that changes you. If you believe there is a God, but your life hasn't been changed since you believed, it's not real faith. You just believe that there's a God. And I love what James says to the people like that. He says, oh, you believe in God? Good for you. In other words, whoop to do you know, big deal. And I think if, if James were alive today, he would say, oh, you've got a Bible verse in your Instagram bio? Good for you. Whoop dee doo. You know, oh, you've got, oh, you've got a cross tattoo. Good for you. You know, oh, you go to church. Oh, you go to RYA. Oh, you go to students. Oh, good for you. Oh, you go to, you, you, you know, you, you believe there's one God. Good for you. Hey, guess what? Even the demons believe in God. 
Even the demons believe in God. Even the demons know their Bible. Even the demons have good theology, better theology than you or I do. James says, if you believe in God, if you know your Bible, but if you don't obey God, if you don't do what his word says, if your faith doesn't change you and change your life, great, that puts you on the same level as the demons. Faith is more than just believing that there's a God. Faith is more than just head knowledge. Real faith is supposed to change you. It's supposed to make you follow Jesus. It's supposed to make you more and more like Jesus every day. It's supposed to make you take sin seriously. It's supposed to make you, you know, get married or, or break it off with the person that you've been living with. You know, it's supposed to make you stop hanging out with those immature friends that you get drunk with every weekend, even though you're 40 years old. You know, it's supposed to make you devote your life to Christ. That's real faith. And if your faith isn't doing that stuff, it's not real. It's not real. It's off-brand. It's dead. It's demonic faith. Listen to this. This passage is known as the scariest passage of Scripture in the entire Bible. And I do not disagree with this nickname. Um, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name and went to Rev Church in your name, you know, and served and kids in your name and did all this stuff in your name and posted the and shared that Christian Bible and shared the stuff on Facebook that said, I love Jesus and put the Bible verse in the Instagram Bible as all in your name. But Jesus will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. If your faith doesn't result in you doing the will of God, your faith isn't real. And one day you will stand before God and he will say to you, look you in your eyes and say, get away from me. That's the same kind of faith that the demons have. And listen to what James says about the demons. James says the the demons know there is a God. And listen to this. He says they tremble in terror. And do you know why the demons tremble in terror? because they understand who God really is. Listen to what Hebrews 12 says about God. It says this, you have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai, for they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. Luckily, God doesn't appear to us that way anymore because we have bold access to God thanks to what Jesus did for us. But that's still who he is. That's still a taste of his might and a taste of his power. That's who God is, a mountain of flaming fire with a voice so loud and and terrifying that people were begging God, God, please stop talking to me. Like I can't, I physically cannot take your presence, God. I feel like I am literally dying in your presence. That's God. And James is like, you're telling me you believe in that God, but you're not going to do what he says? You don't really believe in that God. You're you're telling me that your life isn't changed as a result of your belief in that God? You don't really believe in that God. See, I think a lot of people have fake faith because they don't really understand who God is. You know, understanding who God is will transform you into a new person. It will transform you into a new person with new desires. The Bible says when your faith in Jesus is real and you understand who God is, you become a new creation. You have new desires. 
Like this is a silly example, but man, I used to hate Christian music, y'all. Hate it with a passion. I thought it was the cheesiest thing, like Christian music, you know? But I remember I had a friend who got saved a couple years before I did. And I remember being in her car and worship music was playing, Christian music was playing. I remember looking at her and saying, are you playing this music? You know, you don't, you don't have to be fake with me. Okay. I know you don't really listen to this stuff. We can listen to the real stuff you listen to. Like I, and, and, and she swore to me, she's like, no, Brandon, I, I really do like this music. I love this music. I listen to this music on my own. And I never believed her. I thought she was a liar, but then I met Jesus for real. And I put my faith in Jesus for real. And do you know what I listen to when I'm driving in my, my truck more than anything else? Worship music. The, the same worship music that I thought, thought was so cheesy that she was listening to those years before. And I love it. I love it. I get it now and I love it because I'm a new creation with new desires. That's what real faith does. And I'm not saying if you don't like Christian music or you don't listen to it in your car, you're going to hell. Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying it's an example of how we get these new desires. When I put my faith in Jesus for real, when I finally understood who God really was, my desires shifted radically. Like, I didn't want to have filthy language anymore. I didn't want to watch porn anymore. I didn't want to get drunk or smoke weed with my buddies anymore. You know, I didn't want to have sex outside of marriage anymore. I didn't want to hold grudges anymore. I didn't want to sin anymore. Well, let me rephrase that. I still wanted some of those things. My sinful flesh still really wanted those things, some of those things, but I didn't want to want those things anymore, you know? That's the change. I'm not saying I didn't struggle. Man, I struggled. But, but I didn't want to do the thing I was struggling with. All of a sudden, it was a struggle now because I had new desires. And my desires changed, even though it took my actions a while to catch up. My desires changed. I desired purity now. I desired godly friendships now. I desired a godly relationship with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. I desired God's word. I desired sermons. Like, I wanted to listen to people preach. That's the thought. That's crazy, you know? I, I, I desired Christian community. I desired going to church. Like, what? That's new. I still struggled a lot, and I definitely wasn't perfect, but my desires changed instantly. And if your desires haven't changed, your faith is probably fake. It's probably off-brand. And my desires changed all because my faith was real, and my faith was real because I finally understood who God really was. And I finally understood how broken and how sinful and how insignificant I am compared to him. And that's how I finally understood the gospel, right? Because I finally understood that the same God that the Israelites were begging to stop talking, the same powerful, terrifying, holy, almighty, righteous mountain of fire loves me. He knows me and he loves me anyway. And he came to this earth as a, that mountain of fire came to this earth as a man to die for me, to take the punishment that I deserve for sinning against him. That wrecked me, y'all. And that faith changed me. That faith saved me for real. And James is saying real faith changes you because you start doing the will of God instead of your own will. And then James gives his audience some examples from the Old Testament that they would know very well because, again, they knew their Bible very well. Uh, it says this in 21 through 24. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do. 
not by faith alone. And again, that last part sounds like a contradiction to the rest of Scripture, but it's not. They're just talking to two different groups of people. But Abraham, what James is saying is Abraham was saved by faith. James is saying we know that Abraham's faith was real because of what he did, not just because he said it. You know, not just because he posted it on Facebook, because of the actions that his faith produced, because of how his faith changed him. Abraham, if you don't know the story, Abraham had a lot of faith in God. And one day God called Abraham to kill his own son, to sacrifice his own son to God. It was a test just to see if Abraham's faith was real. And he passed the test. Abraham was really, really close to killing his, his own son. He was going to do it. He was trusting that God knew best. He was, had faith in God. And of course, God didn't allow him to. God stopped him. Um, and Abraham, uh, as a result, his faith was proven and Abraham became the father of God's chosen people, the nation of Israel, which is, by the way, the nation that God uh, was going to send the Savior of the world, Jesus, into the world through. But Abraham's faith was proven by his actions. That's James's point. Just like our faith is proven by her actions. And then James uses another example from the Bible, a girl named Rahab in verse 25. Uh, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Uh, Rahab the prostitute, which man, that's a rough nickname to be stuck with for thousands of years. But Rahab the prostitute, if you don't know, uh, God promised his people, the nation of Israel, their very own land, uh, the promised land. But in order to get there, they had to defeat a pretty great enemy, a city called Jericho. And in the city was a prostitute uh, named Rahab. And when the Israelite army sent spies into the city to scout it out, they met this prostitute Rahab. And uh, it turns out Rahab put her faith in the one true God. But it wasn't enough that she just said that she had faith. She showed her faith by her actions. She hid the spies in her home. She literally risked her life for, for God. Her faith produced works. Her faith produced produced actions. That's what real faith looks like. It's actions. And it, and it changed her. Uh, despite her a lifelong nickname, she did not stay a prostitute. Uh, she left that life behind and God actually used her uh, in big ways. God used her in the line of Jesus. So she became Jesus's great, 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 great grandma, right? The same is true for us today. Uh, not that we're going to be Jesus's grandma, but the same is true for us today. Faith is shown by our actions. Faith is shown by our actions and it radically changes us. That's what real faith does. And then our last verse from James this morning says this, James 2.26, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Um, I want to tell you a quick story and then I'll be done. I want to tell you a quick story about two dogs. Um, uh, the first dog, uh, so it was my wife, Michaela and I's second date probably. And, uh, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to take her dog to the dog park to play with her dog, a young dog, probably like a year old. Um, but on the way to the to the dog park, I look in the back seat, and that dog is just like that, just dead, just absolutely dead in the back seat. Like no, there's no doubt about it. It's starting to stink. Like that dog is dead, just just dead randomly. And so we took it to the vet and, uh, yeah, the, you know, they rushed the dog in. They said, yeah, he's dead. And I'm sitting there with the girl, my this girlfriend. I just started dating like a week ago and she's like crying and I'm sitting there like, oh, this is awkward. And is this a sign or something? I don't know. Uh, luckily it all worked out, but, um, fast forward a couple of years and, uh, we're married now and we have this house, our, our first house. I, don't, I hesitate to even call it a house. It was like this hunting lodge, this little shack in the woods. It was surrounded by the woods and had this little pond. I loved it. Um, she wasn't that big of a fan, but I loved it. And, uh, and there was this pack of wild dogs that lived in the, in the woods. You'd hear them sometimes. And one day, this little puppy from that pack of dogs kind of wandered up into our porch and it was really cute. And we kind of got attached to it. We started feeding it and the puppy would just come and go and come and go and come and go. Um, and, uh, and then one day 
uh, walked outside to go to work in the morning and I saw this dog laying in the yard and it looked just like that first dog did in the backseat, just bleh, dead, you know, on the yard. I'm like, oh man, oh, this stinks, you know? Uh, so I, so I went to work and I was like, okay, when I come back, I'll deal with this. And so I went to work. I came back that day. The dog is sure enough that flies flying around it, blah, blah, dead. I start digging the hole for this dog uh, pretty much. And I look over and, and I'm not even kidding y'all. The dog just springs back to life. I'm just telling you what I saw. I'm just telling you what happened. It was, it was dead and it was alive again. Like it was a miracle and it was fine. It didn't even limp or nothing. It was just like ready to go. It was ready to play. And I'm like, whoa, you know, this dog's alive. And, and we actually, you know, got really uh, close to the dog and we gave the dog to some of our friends. And it feels like every time we talk to our friends, they're like, yeah, that dog, man, it is a trooper. You won't believe what happened this time. Uh, the dog just got hit by a truck and it's still alive. Still walking around fine. Oh, the next time we talk to him, oh, you won't believe this, man. The dog had this deadly disease. The vets were like, yeah, take her home. Say your goodbyes. You know, cry over her and bring her back tomorrow. We'll put her down. They brought her back the next day. Perfectly fine. I mean, like what in the world? This dog was invincible. Fake, off-brand faith. Looks like that first dog. Just dead, you know? No, no fight, no nothing, just dead in the back seat. But real faith. Real faith. The kind of faith that saves you looks like that second dog, y'all. A real Christian has faith that just won't die. It just refuses to die. That re It just refuses to be inactive. It just refuses not to work. It just refuses not to serve others. It just refuses to be dead and powerless. That's what real faith is. Because the power of the Holy Spirit that God puts in you when you put your faith in Him, it won't let it die. And, and that's how you know if your faith is, is real or not. And so I hope, I really, really hope that this, this message from, from James, not from me, but from James, has helped you to understand, okay, I'm good. Wow, okay, I'm good. My faith is real. I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus. Or more importantly, I hope for some people it's been like, oh, dang, my faith is not real. Oh my gosh, I need to make some big changes in my life. I need to put my faith in Jesus for real. Now that I understand who God really is, I need to devote my life to him for real today before I leave these doors. I pray that's what happens. And speaking of prayer, let me pray that right now. God, thank you so much uh, for messages like this that man, they just feel like getting punched in the face as you're reading through them because they're so tough, but they're so true. And God, I just pray that we would let this truth really sink in and not just brush it off. God, I, I pray that if there's someone in this room who realizes, man, Thanks to James, I've now discovered, I now realize that my whole life I've been fake. My whole life, my relationship with Jesus has been fake. My whole life, my relationship with Jesus has been off-brand. I need to make some changes. God, I pray you'd work in that person right now. I pray that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit as they put their faith in you for real, Lord. And I pray that you'd radically change their life for the better and radically change their eternity before they leave these doors this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure and rate us and subscribe on iTunes.